0: Hi friends and welcome back. Happy Wednesday. I hope you are having a good week so far and it is well-being week and yes, I hope you are finding little moments to carve out some time for your well-being. I think it is so valuable to have a little bit of a pause, to take a bit of time for ourselves, for our self-care. It's something that we can kind of know is going to be beneficial for us, but still find difficult to to kind of create that space. And I think one of the big things is about allowing ourselves permission to to do so, to know that we are worthy, that we are able to take that time and that we deserve to. And I think that is a big place to start with, (laughs) just allowing ourselves that. So I hope that you have been doing that this week. If not, here's a little reminder to give yourself that permission and that space just to be, to stay outside for five minutes with a cup of tea or coffee, listening to the birds singing, uh, maybe the sunshine if we're lucky enough to have sunshine. Um, but yes, I hope you are finding some little moments of well-being and joy for yourself this week. A massive thank you before we start uh, to Serafina who joined us on Monday for that conversation, and today we are joined by the amazing Amy Corey. And Amy shares her journey. Um, she shares about becoming a mental health advocate and how she got involved in that and we also talk about self-harm quite a lot uh, in this episode. So I just want to give a little bit of a disclaimer before we start that if that is a topic that is potentially going to be triggering for you just to check in with yourself of whether it feels like it's an okay conversation to listen to at the moment It might be something to kind of come back to, depending on how you're feeling. Um, But I think this is such an important conversation to have on the show. It's a topic that we haven't really touched on before, I don't think, in in great depth. Um, And it's an area where I think there is still a lot of stigma and misconceptions about self harm, about why someone might self harm, about how to support someone who's self harming. And Amy shares her experience, her journey of self-harming and kind of recovery from that Um, and I think it's always really valuable to hear that kind of first-hand experience and obviously this is Amy's experience that she's talking about and her story that she's sharing and it's going to be different for other people who who self-harm and so I just want to to kind of add that it at the start but I think such a powerful conversation and I really appreciate Amy for joining us firstly and for everything that she shared with us so I really hope that you enjoy this conversation and I'll be back super quickly at the end hi everyone and I'm really happy to welcome today's guest Amy to the podcast so Amy welcome and if you could tell us a little bit about yourself
1: Thank you so much for having me. My full name is Amy Hong Corey, and I was born actually in Da Nang, Vietnam, and I was adopted to the United States where I grew up, and when I turned 18, I moved to Nashville, Tennessee to become a singer and songwriter, and from singing and songwriting turned into the mental health, public speaking, activism. Um, I, I became a writer just in general as well, um, ambassadorships, goodwill ambassadorships, entrepreneurships, and... Um, is kind of just everywhere now but the main focus and theme is mental health and so I really appreciate you having me on your podcast to share that
0: oh you're so welcome I mean I love talking about mental health uh, all day but we won't be here all day (laughs) Uh, if if only if only (laughs) if only I mean I honestly could (laughs) um so yeah I'd love to um I always like to know kind of how people get into what they're doing. So if you don't mind sharing, how did you get into the, the kind of mental health activism and, and speaking about it?
1: Yeah, it honestly, the biggest thing about me is that and my fans know this is everything they've been through, I've been through as well. So growing up, I went through um, attempted suicide, depression, self harm, eating disorder, PTSD, anxiety, everything like you name it, I've been through it. Um, I have, you know, a lot of physical scars from the self harm. Um, I obviously am very tiny and you can, you, you don't see it initially, but that's, I think one of the biggest things I want to prove is that you are not your mental health trauma and you're not your mental health problem. It happened to you, but it's possible to create so much light from that darkness. And I still recognize that. And I know more than anyone that telling someone to get better in 24 hours and telling someone what to do doesn't work. That's why it took me seven years to get better. It's showing that it's possible to ignite that own light into someone to want them themselves to get better for themselves. So through my career, I've been able to show people like, oh, yeah, I've been through some really awful things just like you. But the life that I lived because I chose to get better and I chose to maintain my recovery and I chose to find something to do with all of that is not only worth it but it's so fun and so much better and I just want that to be shown so someone can take it into their own journey and meet me at the top at at the sense but um that I'm always rooting for them and I'm always there for them and it's been a lot of fun
0: (laughs) yeah that sounds so amazing and I think um there's sometimes a misconception around mental health isn't it where people mean well and they want someone to get better and it's almost that like oh just like just snap out of it just stop doing that whatever that thing is which is not at all <laughs> how no. it works um and so I love your message um of, of kind of giving that hope that it's possible and that's one of the things that we try to do on the podcast and it's not saying yeah it's like magically easy and mm-hmm. um but it's possible um and and I, um, I like that element of choice. That actually, it can really feel like things are out of our control when we're in, a, in not a good place with our mental health. But actually, we do have that element of, of choice. Um, and so, there's so many things already I want to ask you. <laughs> but um, maybe if we could stay on this, this idea of choi- choice and like how you found that you could choose to to kind of change.
1: Well I think that was the thing is that for so long I was you know getting told to get better I was always being told something and so I assumed that the just communication was so off I wasn't understanding my I always say you can't expect people to understand you when you don't understand yourself I clearly growing up didn't understand anything which I couldn't communicate it and I remember you know I had this, I was I was doing vocal lessons at the time. So I was living the dream in my career, very young, um, but I was going through all this mental health stuff too. So it was like a dream and a nightmare kind of balance. Um, but I remember I wanted to get better. I wanted to do these things and I wasn't sure because I was just being told so many things. And it wasn't until one person who I really trust who was just always there for me, never forced me to like get better, was just there to listen was like, you know, you say you want to do these things, like, but you got to choose to take the action to do that. But it's your choice. And given that choice, consciously, it was in my head to know that, okay, it's on me now. Like, I think I played the blame game for long enough. This is my choice to know I can get better. And that's an amazing choice or anything that happens to me next through this choice, the consequences, the potential harm that I could do, it's consciously on me now. And that weighs your options. And I feel like most people won't consciously make the wrong choice. And so it's bringing that awareness to you. And that's kind of where the choices come through. And I mean, sometimes, you know, we have to experience things to learn the lessons. Sometimes a verbal communication is just not enough to learn. Um, I call them growing pains, like as awful it can be. It's kind of my way to, you know, shine the light on it to where it's like, you know, I wouldn't be who I am if this didn't happen. And that's kind of the healing side on my forgiveness and everything. But it does come down to choices because in the end, we have influences, we have, you know, really heavy influences, but we're the ones who makes the actual decisions. I was influenced to self-harm. I had all the emotions, but honestly, you know, I was the one who did it. And so it was my choice in the end and it was my choice to get better. And it's my choice to maintain, but the choice is possible. It's hard to do because obviously it's a lot of work, but it's worth it in my opinion. So
0: Yeah it sounds like that idea of like personal responsibility and Mm -hmm. you said about making it kind of conscious and realizing yeah yeah, oh actually I can do something um, about this and like you said it's not always easy making that choice and maintaining but I think it's quite empowering where the mental illness can feel disempowering Mm -hmm. and it's mostly like taking that power back a bit and it I like the (laughs) growing pains because (laughs) I guess, I, yeah, I just like the the message of of that it's possible, but realistic as well. That it's not all like sunshine and roses. You like make this oh, change, okay. and then it's super easy just do to, to make changes. Um,
1: yeah, and that's the thing is that I always say honestly, life doesn't get better. You just do because life is really really hard. There's no way you can avoid it too. You just get stronger and stronger. You live and you learn, and that is what life is about. You live and learn to live the life. And so, going, I think in a lot of ways, to like bring a bright side to it, people who have struggled with mental health have a real advantage to that because they know suffering. You have to know unhappiness to truly know happiness. I know when it came to COVID, I had a very good head on my shoulders because I was very, I was always calm in chaos, being and going through what I did. And it help me stay kind of, you know, calm to be there for everyone else. And so there's a lot of power in it. It's choosing to see it and acting on it. Anyone who has had mental health um, trauma, um, who can heal themselves can help others heal. It's just continuously, it's a weird connection people can have. And it's just trying to see the light that is from it. And there's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of trauma, and trust me, I understand that. I know darkness to this day is like, oh, there you are, <laughs> but it's still very possible to overpower the light, or just even find a spark to light
0: up the situation. So, I'd I'd love to um to hear a little more about the um your journey kind of once you realized that you could make this choice and the recovery and kind of maintenance and, and what that sort of looks like.
1: Yeah. So I decided to like kind of go cold turkey on everything because it truly is a cold turkey. I mean, self-harm, I wasn't depressed the entire time I did it, um, but it was a long, long time. It was just became a habit and addiction, which I think a lot of people forget is self-harm is, it's just like drugs and alcohol. You become addicted to that type of coping mechanism. And so I completely stopped when I was um, sixteen um, because my during all of that, while I was fighting that, my mom was actually fighting cancer. and she told us that she you know only had a certain amount of time to live. And at the time, I was wanting to get better. I was up and down in recovery. I was going into recovery, falling back, relapsing. I've relapsed a lot in my early days. Um, but she was that final push to remain maintaining that to have our last months together be enjoyable for both of us. And then when she passed away, I was really in it. I was really good, and it was kind of like that final test. And once I survived that, once I got through that in a very you know healthy manner, coping, you know, cried a bunch, but kept it was so safe, was so you know acceptable of help and knew my mind and myself well, I knew I could make it through anything. And that really pushed me to maintain my recovery, especially going into the entertainment industry, the music industry, knowing how hard that was gonna be. And then it kind of just always was inspired by me to do something, but I always surrounded myself with people who also had that same vision, who knew I could help people. And honestly, when it came to singing about it, talking about it, it not only, you know, could you could see healed a lot of people, but it was a really big healing thing for me is continuously talking about it. When I say things, I'm kind of, I think because I, my biggest thing when it comes to public speaking and my brand is I'm not a hypocrite. I would never say something unless I fully do it and is healed from it. And when I speak, I sometimes like, ah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I need to do that too. And it helps me grow as well. Um, And so it's kind of, you know, it's together. We're doing it together because I had to get better as a child by myself. I was in it by myself. And my hero was myself in 10 years. And so I always worked to be that person. So now to be that and to be a voice in it. And anyone who has heard me speak, anyone who's heard me do any press knows that. I'm honest and I'm real about it. When I go to public speakings, I tell them that I was the student that ditched my public speakings. So I understand how much you don't want to hear about this stuff, how much you don't want to feel put down or victimized because of this stuff. It's like, I get that completely, but I also have seen the other side and so let me just light yourself to, 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 to come into the light. Um, and that takes time. It took me seven years, so I can't say anything, but now I'm going to be eight years in recovery sobriety, which is more time than my problems. So it's a really exciting year and I'm trying to do a bunch of things um, in honor of that. So um, it's hard, but it's possible. And it's, not you know being so hard on yourself when you do slip up or you know because it's life so yeah yeah
0: thank you for sharing that and well eight years coming up for recovery that's amazing thank you yeah and I I guess I for myself I know sort of talking about things on the podcast there's something um that like you said it, it can be healing to talk about but I find it's almost easier to like understand or manage because it's not just in here it's something you like put it out there and mm-hmm. you can almost like look at it more or it's a bit separate to you and that that can kind of make it easier in some way to to manage um I don't know if you find the same that that kind of absolutely
1: and that's what um Speaking about it, and then I always used um, journaling. Obviously, I was a songwriter, so I always used journaling to where I always thought of it as like when I'm journaling, I had so many different journals, and I had a book of just like darkness, just like my dark thoughts, like my PTSD. If I had something, I would literally just write it down. But in a way, I would release it from my body onto the pages and let it live on the pages, but not in myself. And it was that kind of thing of like taking it out of you and just, you know, accepting that it was there and just putting it somewhere else. And I think speaking, communication and writing is such a great way to do that. Um, And to know that, you know, I think so many people are afraid to be vocal about it because they don't want to feel misunderstood because that is the worst feeling you could ever feel. But that's why I'm so thankful for so many more people, you know, everyone's rising up and coming together to show that there is people out there who understand you and there's people who want to understand you. Um, So it's just finding that way to communicate that. But yeah, it's amazing. And it's an honor. I feel like it's a privilege to be able to talk about this. So I love it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, Yeah. well, um, yeah, so happy to have you here, you know, to talk about it. Um, and, and I, you know, I love the um, that kind of, you say about not being a hypocrite, but also that kind of being honest, that like we all slip up, because again, I think if you're sort of going, um, or if someone was going like, yeah, this is my journey, and now everything is amazing, and everything is fine, it's, that's not the reality of of life, just no. really. <laughs> I mean, if only, <laughs> if only, yeah. But I think it's 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 nice to have that honesty, and it's that mix, isn't it? Of, I think the the message is maybe more inspiring when you have someone who is open and vulnerable and says like this. Yes, this is the the spark and the possibility, but also, it's. It is hard at times, and we all slip. I slip sometimes, and and I think that message in itself just makes it so much more real and inspiring.
1: Yeah, I think, and I think that's the biggest thing that um, you know I'm very honest about is that I have. I'm very, very. I'm a very calm person. I'm very balanced in a sense, um, but you know, I still experience life to where things happen. And I'm very honest about that. You know, I'm eight years sober from so many things, but I still have those nights where, you know, I'm very positive. I'm a very happy person in general, but you know, where I cry, where I'm really upset and where I have to grow myself to continue growing. Because that's the thing is you, I think it's great to accept who you are, accept where you're at and love that. But always know that there's always room and there's always space To continue growing and to continue getting better and through that usually you have to go through trauma you have to go through experiences and there's good and there's bad but it's just part of life and i think that's what is so needed to be shown is i think anyone who lives in this kind of entertainment industry public eye thing there's assumptions made but most of my celebrity friends are the most people that i can relate with when it comes to mental health stuff because It's hard on, you know, different levels because we're all affected by our own mind. doesn't matter if we're rich, poor, um, colored, whatever. We all experience the darkness of our mind. And especially when it came to this pandemic, we all experienced the same type of trauma that affected differently in our minds. But it's always there. We're human. (laughs) What I hear, I used to be a robot. People used to call me a robot because I was so in check with my emotions but now I think I've been a little more um human like my 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 team would tell me
0: <laughs> so. That's so funny because I had a period where actually it was where I was really depressed but people said I was like a robot so um and I feel like I'm reasonably human now but <laughs> it's, who knows it's, <laughs> a nice, it's a nice change it's a nice experience I always say <laughs> although I do still feel like um human but also a bit of an observer like I'm very aware of like how weird humans are like we are a weird species aren't we and I find it so interesting I do too
1: I'm really into that I I always say how you know the dolphins are just laughing so hard at us right now (laughs) like all the animals are like (laughs) karma comes around (laughs) but um yeah I mean I think and that's the thing is that we we're all we're all human in a sense and we all grow our minds differently. Um, and we all, you know, age differently in a sense of mentality. Um, but it was, that was what the, what was so interesting about this pandemic is that we all experienced the same thing around the world and that all affected our minds in so di- so many different ways. Um, so I found it, you know, very, you know, fascinating and made me really want to help a lot more knowing that, okay, there's going to be a lot of things that are happening so it's yeah it's interesting but yeah I'm very hopeful for everyone and
0: optimistic so yeah 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 no that definitely um comes across and I had um Oh I mean still loads of questions to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> but one uh, if you're um, if you're comfortable to talk about this that we try and um, share a range of kind of mental health experiences on the podcast to kind mm-hmm. of shed light on on experiences and we haven't really talked about self-harm before on the podcast and yeah and I think it's something that there are a lot of misconceptions around self-harming and and why someone might self-harm and and why it might be difficult to stop self-harming and I wonder whether you'd be comfortable to kind of share some thoughts absolutely
1: yeah absolutely and that was that's one of the biggest things that I am able to talk about because it's something I know very very well Um, and it's something that physically you can see that I know very well I started self-harming very, very young. I started self-harming when I, when my attempted suicide was unsuccessful, thankfully. But I was in middle school and I was getting bullied and the influence of, you know, that hate, that 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 hatred for myself or being myself, it influenced me to self-harm in a sense. And so it was more of the um, self-harm when it came to cutting Um, I like using self-harm just in general because any type, it's just self-inflicted harm, Uh, but it was cutting, which was the term, Uh, gosh, it's crazy to think about like seven years ago, (laughs) but um, it was, it was a coping mechanism on different levels. It started out as, okay, I hate myself too, and I couldn't die in a sense. So I needed a release. I was so mad and I took it out on myself in that way. And then it turned more into that coping mechanism, that addiction on like, okay, if I'm mad, happy, sad, I'm just, that's, you know, people drink, people do drugs. And that was my drinking and my drugs. I was like, I would just cut. Um, there was a point where I wasn't trying to kill myself, which most self-harmers don't want to kill themselves. That's why they are self-harming. They want to find release. They feel numb. Um, there was a time where I felt really numb and I wanted to feel something. It was kind of that robot scenarios. Like I, I didn't feel alive and it was a way to feel alive. And then there was a time where it was just a coping mechanism. And then there was a time where I hated myself. Like I went through all the stages because it was such a long process, but in all, it was just honestly, in a sense, also a cry for help. Um, And looking back, you know, I was very secret about it. No one really knew about it for about a year and a half because I always wore long sleeve shirts. And ironically, that's what set people off is it'd be like 90 degrees where I used to live. I'm just like tucked into a shirt. Um, But it wasn't necessarily, I think it got to a point where, you know, I wasn't trying to kill myself, but I really didn't care what happened. And that's where the, the the dangerous side of self-harm comes from. That's what I always, you know, when I talk to people who are trying to get out of self-harm, I kind of always say, honestly, like one, I have a really high pain tolerance. So my scars are very deep. I have a lot of scars. And um, you go on all my photos, sh- I'm very public about them too. I, I I have no problem showing off my scars. I'm just freezing here right now. <laughs> so I'm wearing a long sleeve shirt. But um, what I tell a lot of people when it comes to self-harm is honestly, one, it's like that thing again, like people told me not to do it. So obviously I did it in um, and retaliation. And then because, you know, people were like, promise me, you won't do it. And I would, I would promise them and then I would do it. And then three days later after doing it, I would feel guilty about doing it. So I would do it more. And so I always tell people, you know, if you're, if you're in the middle of self-harm, if you are, you know, wanting to do it, just, you know, consciously don't make a promise to me, don't say you're not going to do it, but just think about it for a minute. Just think about your emotions, feel, you know, why you're going to do it. And if you end up doing it, it's your choice in the end. But I do know, and I can say 110%, and I'm never trying to scare anyone I truly don't know how I survived my self-harm. I went down that hole so deep. I have no idea how I got out. And I can say that to this day, eight years, other than destiny and fate and you know that kind of stuff, I can't say or understand how I got out. And so it's easier to get out as soon as possible and so it doesn't become that addiction. Because when it becomes the addiction, That's when it gets nervous because you're doing it. It's just like drugs and alcohol. You're just doing it to do it. But it's a very, very harmful way to cope. Very unhealthy. And I understand the feelings behind it. I understand wanting to do it. I understand the feeling of it all. And being eight years sober, it is crazy how I still can relate to that mindset, knowing how wrong it is knowing, you know, how safe I am now to make sure that you know, I don't get injured to where I don't have to feel those feelings again. So it's, it's, it's a hole, you really don't want to continue digging. But also just being aware and conscious. And like I said, a lot of the times when you're conscious about it, when you're not in a manic state or a depressive state, you're you really Aren't going to do it, and that's what I try to bring when I talk to people. I used to talk to a lot of friends who were like, "I'm about to self harm." I'm like, "Just, just, just wait. Like, if you're gonna do it, you're gonna do it. Um, but just think about it for a minute." And usually, you know, I would talk to them the next morning. They're like, "Yeah, I thought about it, and I just ended up not doing it." And I was like, "That works for me. <laughs> that works for me." <laughs> so it's honestly, it's it's a really tricky subject because. I know it took so long for me to get better. And I hate to say it sometimes is just time. Um, but it also is a time because the more you do it, the more realize you you don't want to do it. Um, and it's just your own time on figuring that out. And that's why I'm trying to like show people that it takes time. Yes, but the more time, the more consequences and the consequences you have to live with for the rest of your life. I know I have to live with my scars for the rest of my life. I I see my scars very beautiful. I think you know anyone who has any type of physical scar is you know I always look down at them. I'm kind of like you know you won the battle, but I won the war. Like it's a very kind of empowering thing. And in my career, um, I I I had a second of like self you know I was self conscious and was kind of like I don't know if I want these public and I kind of wanted to cover them up and then. It was actually my, my manager at the time who was um, Dolly Parton's manager. And he was like, no, I really think, you know, they're you. They, they, they help make who you are. And um, when someone sees that and then sees what you're doing, they're going to be like, wow, anyone can do anything. And that's what I always say. is like, If I can get better, if I can become this person, anyone can, because I know how bad I was, especially when it came to self-harm. So it's a very, it's a very interesting subject because, and I, I agree with you, it's very misunderstood. So I'm happy to, um, and thank you for allowing me to shed some light on it. I hope it helps.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. And, and I think you, um, some of the the misconceptions that I know are around is one, the one that someone who's self-harming is suicidal, that they're kind of completely linked. And like you said, that's not the, the case. They're kind of, yeah two different things and someone could be suicidal and self-harming at the same time but it's not necessarily so and um and also this idea of that yeah someone can be feeling really numb and it's a way of feeling something and also that it could be they're feeling too much and it's a way to release it and Mm -hmm. so it's it's one of these things isn't it that you you don't necessarily know the reason that that person is self-harming because it could be these two or multiple reasons but things that are completely different it's to feel or to not feel. <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> kind
1: of, it, yeah there's so many realms to it and then also it's sometimes just it's just it's just um like your mind just you just like, I don't I feel like anyone who has self-harm in a way can relate in that mindset you just you just kind of do it and then it, it it's you kind of compete with yourself in a sense of like okay I did it like It's just a weird, it's a weird mentality to have, but it's something that I recognize, obviously doing it for seven years. Um, And I mean, I was, I mean, when I was bullied, I, this is why I always in my public speaking say that words have consequences because words turn into action. The words you speak, someone can take and turn that into action. And I always tell the story on, you know, I was called fat. I was told I was hated and I was told to die over and over and over um, to where it influenced me to think about that myself. And I actually cut those words in my arm, because that's what I felt. And that is the um, lesson I always try to bring to light is words have consequences. No, they weren't the ones who self harmed that in me, but it had that influence. Um, And you never know how far someone's going to take those words. And put that to action. So it, one, you know, those scars are there to remind me to always be cautious of my words, understand, you know, what happened to me to never, you know, ever bring into someone else's mind. um, But also show that there are consequences to Mm -hmm. these types of things, because you never know someone's mind, like you said, you never really know the reason why someone's doing something. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's a valid feeling for themselves, because your problems are important to you. It might not be important to someone else, but they're really important to you, especially when it comes to self-harm. And so it is that sense of feeling misunderstood, which is why I'm so vocal about it and so just out there about it.' It's like, yeah, it's a tricky subject. Mm-hmm. But I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people who have been. and you know, when people stereotype of someone's self-harm is obviously like, you know, the, Black hair, bangs, eyeliner, like the stereotypes of people with mental health is so negatively wrong. And that's what I'm also trying to prove is like, no, I know a lot of people (laughs) and and no one fits that description. So it can happen to anyone. And that's, I think, the biggest thing on why, you know, I hope more people can be um, more upfront about it and show that, you know, it happened, but you can get through it.
0: Yeah yeah absolutely and and thank you for what you said about bullying as well and I've been was bullied when I was younger and in the workplace as an adult and I know the impact it had on me and I think it's a really important point to highlight that you know even something that could be like a throwaway comment to someone you don't know how they're going to take it and what impact that's going to have on yeah. them and um, so I think that yeah being mindful of of what you're saying about people and also what you're saying about yourself because you, if you're sending out a lot of like, negativity to other people like you're hearing that as well for your, yourself and yeah
1: I truly I mean in my adult life especially dealing with so much negativity um you know I've got you know in my career I've gotten a lot of negativity a lot of hate and I, I've come to realize a lot of it has to do with and I know when I do it when I judge someone which is very very rare but when I you know, unconsciously do, I realized two days later that the thing I was judging about them is something I haven't healed in myself mm-hmm. that I just recognized in someone else. And was like, I don't like that. But then I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> it was that, yes. like, I, I don't like <laughs> that in myself either. Um, and so a lot of the times it's someone's unhappiness is so unhappy with their life. They just want someone else to feel that unhappiness. But in the, in the end, it can be the other way around. That's why I think when someone is unkind to you, they need to be seen, they need to be shown kindness themselves. And ha- kindness is as contagious as unkindness. Mm. And so that's, you know, the tricky thing. And obviously each mind and each person is their own, but it's, you know, it's hard. I mean, I see bullying to this day and it's still in a sense blows my mind. I did another talk about bullying in London. And I was saying how, you know, as kids, we're learning, we're, we're learning what's okay, and not okay. And we, most of the time, the bullying is that experience. I mean, growing up, I've forgiven all of my bullies, I grew up in a small, small town, but I can see that they have learned their lesson. Um, but then you see it in adults, and you're kind of like, gosh, are we still in school? <laughs> mm yeah <laughs> and, uh, and then it makes me think of like oh god if the kids are seeing this they're thinking it's okay and mm-hmm. so it's kind of like everyone should just go home and think about it <laughs> yeah. and look at themselves in the mirror and
0: yeah there was um I think it's a scene from a film or a tv show I can't remember where I saw it but it was um talking about bullying and and, and one person was saying you know if that child is bullying that they are probably the victim in another situation where they feel completely disempowered and so then they're then taking that power back by then bullying others in the school and that is possibly you know at home or or wherever that it's that kind of they're seeing it that it's acceptable they're feeling it and then it's
1: There's always a reason. There's always a deeper reason. And that's um, something that I, in my job and in my life, want to always see. I've seen so much unkindness. I've seen so much trauma and pain people have caused me. But I truly want to understand why. And I'm very different in that sense, because it's so easy to walk away with anger, to walk away with resentment. But I think I know from myself, knowing, you know, what I've been through is that there's always a reason behind something. Mm-hmm. And it's willing, it's your willingness to take the time to put yourself in their shoes. And through that, you can find empathy, and you can find kind of that forgiveness is a very kind of more um, Buddhist Buddhism type of mm-hmm. way. But it's a way that you know, I've had to do because a lot of times you don't get the reasons no some no one's going to be vocal about it but to find your own peace to find your own happiness you you kind of you you tend to do that and t- i feel like when you want to understand that's a really big step it mm-hmm. show, obviously shows you're the be- you're the bigger person in a sense but it's what i feel like they want in a sense too they want to feel mis- they want to feel understood which is why they continuously do the things they do it's, just, it's in a sense, I always saw their own cry for help. Mm. Um, and I know that's not with everyone. Um, I've talked to a lot of people who, you know, aren't willing to do any of that. And I'm like, that's, that's totally fine. I, I can't put, I don't, I can say being an outsider, you know, I wasn't the one feeling it. Your feelings are valid um, and everything. Um, but, you know, when the time comes, if you choose to do it, you choose to do it. But there is always a reason usually behind a lot of things yeah. which is crazy to think about
0: yeah I wonder if it's something from the you mentioned about having experienced like that the darkness yourself and knowing that and that kind of empathy that comes with that and then trying to understand or seeing that if someone is being unkind that maybe they're dealing with their own darkness and trying yeah. to understand that and I was thinking when you were saying about you know sharing that kindness it's to me it kind of speaks to that need to sort of um do your own healing and self-care stuff so that you can kind of feel okay in yourself to put out that kindness and almost let that kind of unkindness like wash over you because you're like you're okay in yourself and you can then try and see underneath that like where it's coming from
1: absolutely I I always say you have to be the best for yourself to be the best for others you have it always starts with you your world is like The world can influence your world, but it starts in your world. And if you change your world, you can change the world. Um, And that's the biggest thing with me. I think that's why I've been able to do exactly what I do is I'm very, very at peace, very confident with myself, took eight years, like, and I'm still learning, I'm still growing, but it's given me that mindset um, on, you know, I know who I am, and I'm 100% okay with that. And so I can ignite that into other people to show that, Being yourself is your power. I mean, who really, really wants to be like someone else in my opinion? But um, that is the biggest thing. And it's one's like true self, one's true power. Take away the ego, take away all of that is just yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, I think, the most beautiful thing is when you are yourself and when you love that about you. And it's hard. You know, there's still things that I'm kind of like, ooh, that needs work. But then you can change it. You can work. It's that awareness, like I said, accepting who you are and always just improving and getting better from it. So, mm.
0: yeah, amazing. I mean, there's still so much that um, I, could, I could ask you or could talk about. Um, but I wonder if you have a kind of a final thought on and anything that we've talked about that you'd like to share with us before I ask you my set questions.
1: I mean, I want to just thank you for letting me speak out about it. I'm really, really happy to talk a lot more about self-harm. I love when I can really get into that topic because it is still very misunderstood. And I think I'm really trying to change that. So thank you for letting me do that, but I'm ready. I'm ready (laughs) for more.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, who knows we might get through the set questions and have more time to ask some other stuff. We'll see. Yeah. So I ask everyone uh, these questions uh, that comes on and I find it's, we were saying about humans being like weird and wonderful creatures. And I love to hear like the similarities and differences of how mm-hmm. people interpret the questions is always really interesting. So my first one is what brings you joy in your life?
1: For me, I am such a simple person. I think when it comes to me, it, it's really when it comes to my fans when I get DMs or comments from one person who shares their happiness to me that my happiness inspired their happiness. I've never felt so fulfilled, especially, you know, being a singer, being a public speaker, you know, I always say their happiness truly makes me happy because I'm a very happy person. But that is the most fulfilling, most joyful thing is is seeing other people's happiness, in my opinion. So
0: that's mine. (laughs) Yeah, amazing. Um, And so the next one, this is sometimes similar, sometimes different is what makes life meaningful for you?
1: Um, it's honestly just, it's so cliche, but it's just having fun with it. It, it. You know, there's so much negativity. And I feel like I always go so deep in these basic questions, but there's so much negativity in the world and they, we're all living through life and there's going to be ups and downs, the yin, the yang, and the balance. And so you should just have fun with it because it's the life um and that's kind of you know how I kind of live is like there's a lot of stressful things always happening in my life but I'm gonna have fun with it it's just my choice on how I want to see it mm-hmm. so I just have fun <laughs> yeah
0: just have fun <laughs> awesome, <laughs> awesome. Uh, so my next two questions are around our uh, overarching topic on the podcast which is mm-hmm. mental well-being mental wellness so the first question is what does mental wellness mean to you
1: it just it means I always say you have to be selfish to be selfless. You have to, in a way, put yourself first to be the best for others. And I think mental wellness is doing that, you know, making sure you're okay, making sure you're good so you can be good and better for yourself first and other people. But you're never affected by other people because your well being, your mind, and your mental health is set yourself. So it's better, in my opinion, to be your worst enemy than have someone else be your worst enemy, because you can control it more. So that's what I think when I think of wellness and mental
0: well-being. Mm. Awesome. And then my follow-up is how you look after your own mental well-being. So how you make sure you're okay. How you kind of do all of that?
1: You know, I'm still balancing that. Unfortunately, my coping mechanism through my um, mental health growing up was working. That's, you know, thankfully how everything in my career has blossomed is I would work days on end, you know, I, and that was why a lot of people worked with me as they knew my worth work ethic now, kind of where I'm at where I can kind of, you know, things are fruitioning and like, everything is like working out the way I wanted to. I've actually, myself has given my time off especially with COVID, you know, we have so much more time. I am a big car person. So I like would always go on drives and just, you know, take that time off to get inspired again. Um, and so I, I cook, I'm a big cook, and I have a lot of chef friends. And um, just kind of having my alone time is really my way of settling down, because I'm always around people, in a sense of, you know, especially, I mean, like Zooms and stuff like that, because we're in COVID right now. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, my job is is people. So it's always my sanity to have alone time and cooking. I don't listen to music on my time off. I just separate myself from the world and um, kind of become a little Buddhist monk. But um realistically I'm too materialistic to fully go on a mountain <laughs> <to do it. laughs> yeah. I
0: mean that's a struggle isn't it because I I have that sometimes you kind of like go oh uh, and then you're like oh but stuff <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's about ba- you know it's a, a balance maybe yeah yeah so, yeah, probably just going to be a lay person, but maybe like, you know. Reasonably. I was
1: thinking retirement time. I could do the, I could go on a mountain and just live in the temple. But when, when my, when, when this
0: whole life is over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, so I've gone off onto like mountains now. So to come back yeah. to my questions. Um, and actually this is one that we've not, um. I think we've kind of talked around, but not explicitly talked about this, but um, I know it's something that you talk about uh, with your speaking and I always challenge people that come on to describe their own mindset. Mm-hmm. So how would you describe your mindset?
1: I, I know my mindset is very intense. That's the word I use. That's the word, you know, everyone seems to recognize it's intense and it's serious Because it's a very serious topic to me. It's something I'm very passionate about. And usually when you're passionate, you become serious. Like I'm a very fun, happy person. But when it comes to my mindset, I'm very serious because I put my mental health first. You know, I have lines. But I know the boundaries on when I go past a certain line, I'm going to be useless. Um, So my mindset is very serious when it comes to my job, my career, the mental health aspect of it. Um, And I very much just, you know, that's really the word. And that's what people tell me too, is I'm very, you know, it's, they always (laughs) say it's really nice I have like dimples and like smile a lot (laughs) because I'm a very serious person because I know how wrong it can go and how dangerous it can get, especially knowing myself so well. I know that I never want to be in that place again. And I never want to see anyone in that place again. Um, so I'm very serious when it comes to my mindset, um, when it comes to that, but um, it's gotten me, you know, a lot of things, so I'm not really judging it. I accept it all <laughs> all honesty,
0: but that's it. Yeah, fab. Well, thank you. So yeah. my next question is my favorite one to ask. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. So we, we like to leave um, the, you know, me and the listeners uh, with top tips of things that they can try out for themselves. And I think particularly if you are, struggling with your mental health it can be hard to kind of know like what might help me to kind of feel better or you know to come up with those ideas Uh, so we like to do like a little bit of a toolbox so we all kind of put some stuff in and then people can kind of go oh I'll try that um, and see if it works for me so do you have a top one to three tips that you'd like to share with us
1: um you know it's so interesting because it's so different for everyone and that's what I love is that it is so customized I mean I think the biggest thing that I always share when it comes to um, anxiety and um, uneasiness, because I feel like that's something, you know, I have to do occasionally is, is I have a trick on, you know, when you feel anxious, you're kind of just kind of out of control in a sense and you need to bring it back to yourself. So one of the biggest things that I took away from my um, time in therapy and with my own things is I used to do an exercise where I would start from my root chakra, which is also, you know, your toes and go to your crown chakra and close my eyes. If you have the time and just, you know, close your eyes and be like, okay, I'm conscious and I can consciously feel my toes touching the ground and working your way up. I can feel my knees buckling. I can feel my stomach gurgling and consciously feeling these things. And it brings you back in a sense of consciousness. And relax. It takes, it's time because when you're anxious, you want to do something, but it gives you that patience to reassess where you are and regain your composure and your balance. And I always, people always ask me about that. Um, I get texts and they're like, wait, what was that exercise you can do? But it really has helped me because it gives me, because I'm a very impatient person. It gives me patience, It gives me balance and it gives me a sense that, okay, I'm in my body and I'm in control of my body because you, I'm controlling my feet. I'm controlling this and I can consciously feel that. So that's one of my biggest toolbox tips. And the other one is um, just talking, just asking for help. One of my best friends told me, um, I'm going to say the clean version, but he always told me, um, you don't get a medal for doing everything alone. Like there's no proof or medal or reward you're trying to do by handling something alone. He knew that I did because I had to, but like now there's so many resources, there's so many people um, that you can talk to. And that's kind of uh, my other tool tip is, you know, there are people who are there for you.
0: And yeah. Lovely. Thank you for those. And Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That last one, especially, yeah, there's no, you know, it's not better in any way to be like oh yeah you did everything by yourself amazing <laughs> like no one cares but I think also we have something sometimes of that and maybe it's tied up with uh, shame and not wanting to burden people and not wanting to put our stuff on other people and particularly friends but I always kind of think you know and I'm sure most people like listen to this if your friend came to you and they needed support you would be like yes I'll and, and actually we feel good helping our friends but for some reason when it's us we're like no that it's just going to be a burden and they they're not going to want to help me or or I have to deal with it myself and we're almost like depriving them of that feel good like showing up as a friend if that makes sense it's kind of that's a beautiful way to look at it too I really really like that and that's you know a thought that I've had too Is like yeah
1: I help as I have a need. I would say you need yourself to tell you the things you tell other people Mm -hmm. and when you can find that I mean that person who told me that he he has never I never really and that was things I needed to overcome is my trust stuff as well Mm -hmm. um but he always proved me wrong to show that he always showed up and then that final time when he was like I've told you this a million times like you don't get a medal for doing this all alone I was like oh you're right (laughs) Yeah, it's funny how things like when they finally stick in your mind, they stick in your mind. But I think that's a beautiful way to look at it. It's like, yes, you I would always be there for someone. And so I have to assume, you know, that's the same for me. And also that you deserve I deserve to have someone like that. And I'm worth it to have someone like that. I think that's a big thing that will make you more um, open to that communication is knowing that, you know, as hard as this may be, as hard as I'm trying to protect people in the sense, I wor- I'm i worth it. And I'm, mm. I deserve to be listened to. I deserve to have a friend who may help me with this. Mm. And that kind of brings that confidence in yourself to help, or sorry,
0: to ask for help. Mm. So. I think that self-worth is a, um, a really important point as well. Because I was thinking as we were saying it, that there might be some people who have people that they say are friends, but actually maybe wouldn't be there. And maybe that's the self-worth of going, I deserve to have friends who will support me. And actually, if there are people in your life who aren't really supportive friends or are kind of pulling you down in some way, kind of looking at that and, and kind of knowing that you deserve better. You deserve friends who are going to support you and love you and, and be there for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And everyone deserves that for sure. Yeah. yeah so absolutely. It's beautiful.
0: Okay. So I've got a new question. Um, okay. I probably can't keep saying that because I've been asking it for a little while now. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> a new question. Uh, so I love to read and I also love TED Talks. Um, and I'm asking everyone that comes on now, if they've got a recommendation of a book or a, a talk or something that's been really impactful for you and that you recommend that we check out.
1: Um, TED Talks, man, there's so many good ones. Books? I'm not a big reader. That's the unfortunate thing is I'm so busy. I never am able to really sit down. But I read a book. I'm reading a book right now called The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. It's a very kind of old book. It's a very more spiritual book. But um, music has always been my healing. I have a playlist of literally just songs that I have that I just cry to. So I guess because I've always been a musician in a sense, that's always been my coping mechanism on when I need a release, when I need to hear something inspirational, it was always music. Um, There's some brilliantly great songs out there. Um,
0: You can give us a song recommendation if you like. (laughs) Yeah. um, There is a – everyone now knows of um,
1: Trainwreck by James Arthur. Um which is a great song i I, I know the person who wrote it um, and know the story behind it. That's a really great song. There's a song called why, which is actually by the same songwriter um, that is sung by a um I think there's Scottish band called Skinny Living, but it's the most beautifully written song because it talks about suicide and it talks about drugs and overdosing and how. Um, someone saved someone, but it's um, one of the lines is um, how many have suffered in silence because real men don't cry. Mm. And it's really hard hitting, but there's those songs that make you feel understood knowing that, okay, someone is this vocal about it. They understand me. And so that's why I always loved about music is it's in a beautiful, you know, jam. But, <laughs> but that's what I've always loved. Um, yeah. But there's some great podcasts as as well. Um, yours, obviously. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, there's some really good stuff out there, especially now that it's now being amplified. So
0: yeah, I think there's some amazing mu- music, and it's funny when we were talking about self harm, and you said about the stereotype of the kind of like emo type. Actually, I quite like a fair amount of emo music when I was younger. But actually some of those songs, because they are completely about those emotions, mm-hmm. they some of them they're just like, yeah, they get it. And actually I can I find that still sometimes um really cathartic to listen to a song that really is um yeah expressing those emotions and those feelings because it's that whole feeling seen and understood isn't it and if you if you're listening to it's like oh my god that's how I'm feeling yeah yeah powerful
1: yeah I love it I think I have publicly a um a a playlist of just like tears inspiration and fight (laughs) just like a mixture of like the songs I cry to the songs that inspire me um, but obviously, I'm a, I was a musician for a very, very long time to where I'm, that's always my jaw. And that's what I love about songwriting is we're just telling stories like podcasters, like me. I mean, I, I moved on to mental health, public speaking, but um, I will always, in a sense, admire that, you know, songwriters, artists are really just expressing their cope. It's their way of coping. And so that's what I love about music. But um, there's some really good songs that, you know, you can just... Sit so on repeat and just cry it out, get inspired and build that power up in you to know when you're understood and that you can get through it and um, that someone else feels it too. And that's why that's my advice when it's come to the
0: yeah, everything. <laughs> I feel like when we finish this, I'm gonna to listen to some of those songs. Even though I don't feel like I need to have a cry out today, but I'm still gonna to listen to some. And maybe I've I've started at the beginning or the end of the episode asking people to kind of share on Instagram like their takeaway and so maybe it's if anyone's got like a go-to cry song and maybe we can make a playlist of, like, yeah, kind that's of beautiful yeah. I
1: love that I love that I yeah it's so it's so funny how I feel like for me I search for songs if I need a mood or I need a jam or I need a cry I search for a song for it and yeah. it just there's always one out there.
0: <laughs> yeah, I had um, an interview last week. And so I was like, right, I need some confidence. And <laughs> like a confidence place. <laughs> Although half of it was songs that I didn't know or didn't really like. So I'm like, right, I need a confidence song that I like. <laughs> but, it's so yeah.
1: funny. It's so fun, too, because the songs that um, I the songs I look for that don't have it. I remember like, oh, wait, I wrote a song about it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
1: It it knows exactly what I'm talking about, but there's some really good songs. And um, I love, you know, you know, James Arthur and um, Demi Lovato um, and like Kesha for for that raw honesty on like, this is exactly how I feel. Um, Praying was always one of the best well-written songs, in
0: my opinion, that has Mm -hmm. come out. Um, But there's some really good ones. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, absolutely. See, we could go off on a tangent about this. I know. (laughs) Um, So I I think that brings me to my final question, which is where people can connect with you online if they'd like to follow you if they'd like to check out your music where can they where can they find you yeah so one of
1: the biggest highlights of my career is getting the domain amy Corey, which is just my name it's just a-m-y-c-o-r-e-y and that's also my instagram and my facebook and my spotify name is amy Corey. the biggest thing i always really want to share is especially on instagram Yes, it's fun to follow me because my life is never boring. But the biggest thing my fans know that I always put out is my DMs are always open as well. I love when people come to me, ask for you know advice, and also I'm just here to talk, I'm here to listen. And I love and thank and admire and like bow down to the people who take advantage of that to be open with me to trust me enough to talk to me and to, you know, ask, and I try to, you know, advise the best I can, but I really just want to show that I'm also there for you. So Instagram, Facebook is just Amy Corey. But the biggest thing is, yes, like follow me if you want, but also just, you know, talk to me. I'm very, very involved with my fans and I see them as friends and I'm just here for everyone as much as I can be. So that's the biggest thing with my social media, but everything is on my website, which is just amycorey.com. Awesome.
0: And we'll absolutely link in the show notes as well so people can find Perfect. you. Yeah, nice and easily okay. from there. It's Amy, easy. thank you so much. It's been so much fun. Uh, I love it yeah thank you so much for having me it's been so much fun too <laughs> you're welcome and who knows maybe you'll be back again because I like to I you know, invite people back and uh, something we did last year we've done a couple of like panel discussions and I think that's something I might try and do some more of this year so who knows maybe you'll would... hear from Amy again <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a phone call away <laughs> awesome <laughs> So a massive thank you again to Amy for joining us and for sharing her story so graciously with us. One of the things that we talked about was asking for help and I really wanted to add a bit of a comment because it's something we talk about, about how beneficial it can be, but I just want to acknowledge how difficult it can be to ask for help. And I know it is something I still struggle with to um, to ask my immediate kind of circle for support. Um, so I just want to share that that we, we can know these things logically <laughs> they can be helpful um but it can still be a challenge to actually be vulnerable and to reach out and to say I'm struggling at the moment so I just want to share that if you're listening and you're thinking oh yes I I want some help and support but I I just I can't you know just to acknowledge that I, I can relate <laughs> that it is still a struggle and, and knowing that people are there and they love you and that they want to support you which I know it's still difficult um and to acknowledge that sometimes it can be easier to reach out for support to someone who doesn't know you because then you don't have all of that burdening and stuff so wherever you are hopefully there are support services that you can access if you're in the UK there are the Samaritans who you can talk to um if you're feeling distressed if you're feeling suicidal or if you're not feeling suicidal but you are feeling distressed and you have all those those emotions and you just want a space to let some of those out and it could be to talk about self-harm and, and for support around that as well there is also I was uh, doing a little search of specific support for self-harming because I always like to leave some places people can go for extra information support kind of relevant to conversations when we're diving more into that mental health space and there is an organization called harmless so harmless.org.uk uk and they're an organisation who are passionate about addressing and overcoming issues related to self-harm and suicide. I've only recently come across them so I I feel like this is quite a new organisation, apologies if they're not, and so they have people who have lived experience right at the centre of their service Um, and I think anything that is led by people with lived experience and that kind of peer support and being really informed by personal experience is really important. So they're a a website to check out and they have a resource hub. So I think they have um, actually two areas they support so very specific Leicestershire and Nottinghamshire if you're in the UK actually they are very specific about what they can support but so they have some leaflets um, about what is self-harm, young people and self-harm, suicidal thoughts um, towards hope and recovery and a video, a DVD you can watch on YouTube which people said is is really beneficial and it's people talking about their shared experience and that shares four very different struggles um, showing the kind of individual issues that people might face who self-harm and treatment and, and all of those kind of things so if you're wanting to get greater understanding and I think it can be really beneficial to hear personal perspectives to help you make sense of your own experience as well that's somewhere to check out so definitely probably more I would say for kind of information and resources there is also uh, on the NHS website uh, information about how to get support for self harm, and it's pretty much, like I said, the Samaritans and other support services, or talking to your to your GP. But if you've got any recommendations for services that help people around self harm, then please do share them, and then I will share them uh, with the audience more widely, widely. Uh, so you can connect with me at Psyche Coaching, P S Y K H E Coaching on facebook twitter and instagram and we're also on linkedin as well i don't think i talk about that very often but we're there as well <laughs> all via our website www.psyche P-S-Y-K-H-E.co.uk. and i always love to hear from you and, and connect with you that's everything for today um i hope that you have taken something from this conversation um i think amy has a really amazing perspective and really trying to share honestly from her experience, but also that hope and recovery um, is possible. And and I always appreciate when, when people acknowledge about that You know, this is their individual experience and it's going to be different to other people because that kind of really fits with our ethos here, that we share all these different perspectives, but we are all individuals. And what works for me might not work for you, um, but by bringing you lots of diverse voices, we can maybe reflect for ourselves help make sense of our own experience and come up with our own tools that are going to help us when we are struggling um and a sense of community so I, I really hope that that is what you take from the show generally and from this episode um because that's kind of how it's <laughs> been created and, and by my heart's at with it but um yes thank you so so much for tuning in whether it's your your first listen today or whether you're a regular listener i really appreciate you joining us and i really hope that you're having a a good week a good day a good life um things that things are going okay and and if they're not so much at the moment hopefully you'll take that message of hope from this episode that things can change things can get better um and that we have an, an impact on how our life goes you know so thanks again if you've enjoyed the show please do consider rating reviewing and sharing it with someone so that we can reach more people and they can hear the message that we've got here and hopefully get a little bit of that that hope uh, and inspiration as well i'll be back next week with two more fab episodes and um i hope you have a yeah good week until until we meet again uh, until we speak again or Uh, whatever the, the right phrase is until then as always take care of yourself be kind to yourself and I'll speak to you soon bye for now